0: The 2022 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. One ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. Also, Grammy award winning. Ashanti. Live. Then the classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. New coaches. Old rivalry. And an iconic halftime battle of events. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored in part by City of Dallas. Dallas Sports Commission. McDonald's. Black and positively golden. Chevy. Cricket wireless. Methodist Hospital. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. You've got it locked to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Monday, August 29th. I'm Donald where the HBCU football season has begun. We had three football games on Saturday to kick off the season. And, you know, we got a, we, we've got a plethora of games this weekend, some Thursday games, uh, and uh, the bulk of the games being played on Saturday as the full schedule kicks in. So let's look at uh, the scoreboard. Generally what we do is, is on Monday we would kind of recap a a, a couple of the games Uh, we would recap the scoreboard which by the way you can check out the uh, scoreboard on our website at box kind of run down the scoreboard and talk about some of the players uh, that did well some of the games Tuesday would be takeaway Tuesday but we already have some guests scheduled uh, on as a guest scheduled as a matter of fact on Tuesday for the HBCU football daily podcast so we're going to do it this way this week but Uh, In the future, be looking for Monday, recap of the scoreboard, talking about some of the games. Tuesday is Takeaway uh, Tuesday, okay? So just be on the lookout for that. In the Big Cat Classic between Florida Memorial and Edward Waters, Florida Memorial hung on to defeat Edward Waters 39-34 in that football game. In the game in Atlanta, Alabama State defeated Howard 23-13. Welcome, Mr. Davis, uh, the quarterback for Alabama State to HBCU football to the SWAC. This young man, uh, if you heard me on the HBCU football daily podcast on Friday, I talked about the fact that, yes, he was initially he initially signed to Auburn, never played a game. He was highly recruited uh, out, a quarterback out of Texas. Maybe one of the more prolific quarterbacks you ever play when you talk about the numbers in the great state of Texas when you're talking about playing football. So that to me was of concern that he had never played a college football game. Well, you know, I I, I mean, we can talk about the game. You know, I thought Howard had some opportunities uh, in the game. Howard's really got to address that offense, um really I, the defense wasn't bad uh for Howard but uh Davis came to play had a really good football game as again Alabama State defeated Howard then our last game we got to talk a lot about this game we'll talk about the game but we got to talk about the lead up to this football game Florida A&M falling to North Carolina or falling to UNC 56 to 24 in this football game let's let's talk about the lead up because Florida A&M was missing in excess of 20 players for this football game. Let me give you a little bit of perspective uh, in in terms of what happened. And then I'm going to give you my opinion about a a number of different things as it relates to this situation uh, with Florida A&M. So um, Friday, it was announced that Florida A&M would not have, I think it was 21 players, maybe 20, 21 players would be ineligible for this football game not because of bad grades or anything like that it's a myriad of things that happen and we can talk more about I'll get into more uh, specifics the team had a vote initially wasn't going to play this football game. There's a lot of speculation out there that Florida A&M wasn't going to play that game I think that speculation in the beginning was true because the vote came back to say that Florida A&M would not uh, the Rattlers would not play this football game for safety reasons. I think most notably because it's one thing to have 20 players missing. I mean, if you have a a lot of players and you may be forced to play some players, like you may be forced to play some true freshmen. And I think one of the things that the NCAA has done, which is a good thing, and we're going to talk about the NCAA in this segment um, as well. But I think one of the things that the NCAA has done is you have up to four games that you can play during the course of the season if you play just in four football games um, and you you can take a red shirt year so it wasn't the numbers it was the fact that Florida A&M only had eight offensive linemen you got to have a lot of offensive linemen that that mean you can't do anything offensively we we a lot of times we talk about the skill positions right particularly offensively and we don't talk about the offensive line which is the most important unit on the football field. If you don't have an offensive line, a solid one, you can't run, can't protect the quarterback, et cetera. So only eight offensive linemen. By the way, two of those offensive linemen get hurt in this game. Remember, Florida A&M is also playing up. So you're playing against a program that has, you know, 84 scholarships. You have 56. That That's a tough deal. So that's a little bit of uh, the background with respect to the game almost not being played. And then ultimately Florida A&M, the Rattlers decided to play in the football game, made the trek uh, up to, uh, matter of fact, Chapel Hill, we're located in Raleigh about an hour away uh, or so. So a couple of different things um, here. Um, Number one, you know, I worked in athletic administration um, for about six years. And I thought that this was only something that happened at the d two level, in other words I, you know and working at a at a, at a university sometimes if you know you you'd come up on a football season and uh guys wouldn't be cleared uh they would be ineligible not necessarily because of grades uh but because of a myriad of of different things, but guys would just be ineligible and you'd have to get them certified and all of that they'd miss a game they'd miss two games they'd miss three games. I, I'd never heard of anything I, that I can recall. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I, I can recall, especially with the magnitude of this game, right? Like this was a game where Florida AM was representing HBCU football. UNC, for whatever reason, uh, deemed this as the uh HB, a, a celebration of HBCUs, which is which is great. Um, I mean that that's fine. Um, so Florida A&M is in essence representing HBCUs. Well, that's not very good representation, right? Uh, when you as Florida A&M, it comes out and it's true that you have in excess of 20 players that will be ineligible. So I thought that was a bad look, uh, right there. Number one, that, um, uh, you, you know, you almost didn't play this football game. And I thought, uh, I thought Florida A&M gave a valiant effort. We, we'll talk definitely more um, about that. How do you get to this point? How do we get to having players that are ineligible? Well, you know, you had a situation where y- your your athletics director uh, resigned actually abruptly, not that long ago. Uh, he, he took a position um, at Tulane, and so you you generally have a compliance officer which certain which allows for players or has get players certified and at the smaller schools a lot of times you only have um one compliance officer so it's a low you know florida a&m like uh most uh, of our hbcus are low resourced institutions um again i've always said if you're going to play at the division one level i mean but that but but again i I don't want to I, I'm not letting Florida A&M off the hook here because it is a lot of programs that are low-resourced institutions that have not had these kinds of problems. So number one, it was a bad look, I think, all the way around for Florida A&M and HBCU football. But how do you get to this point? Um, you know, I've heard where you know Florida A&M wants to you know do various upgrades to the stadium and all of those kind of things. I think if you're going to play on the Division One level. You've got to have the mechanisms in place to be able to not allow for things like this to happen. Now, I get it. Some transition in terms of, you know, uh, administrators not being there kind of led to this. I, you know, a lot of times you, we, we, the, the blame will fall uh, two places, one on the coach or the coaches, two on the student athletes themselves because you say well you're ineligible what what you you couldn't you didn't pass the class that wasn't the case in this scenario i don't i don't put something like this from what i know about this situation on willie simmons or any of his staff because this is an administrative thing like if you're a football coach right you want to you probably he probably preaches to his players every day Outside of football, we got football, we got the football part, right? But then he probably talks to his players about being a man, right? Becoming a man, going through the process of be, of getting older and being responsible. I'm sure he talks with them about the academic side, making sure you're attending your classes. I'm I'm sure that there's a coach on that Florida A&M staff that may even check in with various uh, teachers to make sure that those players are, are attending those classes. So I think f- from there, I would absolve the coaching staff from this. Um, you're trying to prepare, if you're coaching staff, you're trying to prepare for a season. Things like that, and I've worked in athletic administration. Things like that are handled by academic folks, compliance folks, etc. So what the issue was, uh, again, it wasn't a class deal it was a situation where players if not all some were advised to take certain classes okay so they could be eligible and all of those kind of things but they weren't advised necessarily advised correctly therefore in the 11th hour they are notified that they cannot step on the field because if they step on the field then they're ineligible And then you have a bigger problem. So you want to kind of nip that in the bud. I give fam you at least credit for that, for not putting any players that should not have been on the field, or even if there was a question mark, there may have been some players where we didn't, you didn't know if they were ineligible or not. You don't put those players on the field. They did not. Um, And you even had some players that were certified game up. That's up. That's bad. I, you know, and the problem is to me, when we look at the ncaa and we, we the ncaa in this situation penalized the student athlete as opposed to penalizing the institution yes florida a&m as an institution is the one who should have suffered the consequences behind this situation okay it's not the student athletes' fault, you know. You, if if they're being advised to take certain classes, okay, to make sure that they're eligible, that they're certified, that they can play, and that's not just football; that's every sport. Then those student athletes, in this case, football players, are going to take the classes that the university recommends. The university uh, is and should be. In constant communication with the NCAA in terms of the mandates that the NCAA has, so that players are eligible. Okay, uh, I don't know if, and again, some of that I think is a transitional situation. AD's out. You know, you're you're trying to kind of fix. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to put a bandaid on a situation that is very, very, is just a problem, uh, right? Because you don't have, you you know, and and again, we're talking about this transition in administration over the last couple of months. I mean, that's not a lot of time to make sure certain players uh, are certified. Certainly there were players that uh, they knew needed to do certain things to be certified, uh, like take summer courses, uh, for instance, certain players needed to take summer courses. Um, those players, some of those players, from my understanding, did take uh, those courses, but they weren't necessarily the right courses that those players needed to take. So that's how we come to to this issue. The again, if you're the NCAA, okay, you got a low resource institution. Again, I believe that if you're going to play at the Division One level, um, that you should you you should have the resources to play at that level. But I mean it sometimes it takes time to get to it. We know that Florida A&M uh has been sanctioned uh it has been sanctioned more recently by the NCAA for some of these very things that we're talking about low resource institution, etc. We've seen programs. We saw, I mean I'll give you an example. You know, remember when Rick comedy was in Jackson State and this was back in the mid part of the 2000s or and uh, uh you you know, Jackson state was having some real problems with, and I even said then that doesn't, this doesn't squarely fall on Rick comedy. Although he was uh, in a lot of respects was the scapegoat. This falls on Jackson state, but you know what Jackson state did? Jackson state put an investment in terms of the academic side of the student athletes. They put money into that. There are grants and things that are out there from the NCAA. They put money into that. And ultimately, Jackson State became one of those rags to riches kind of institutions, if you will, admonished by the NCAA for so many violations, APR related, and ended up getting all of that squared away to becoming one of the ones that, okay, this is uh, uh, an institution that didn't do things well or did, didn't do things right, that is doing things right the right way. Okay, so with respect to Florida a and I think if you're Florida A&M, you've got to uh, really address this. You, you know, Do you need two compliance officers? Something like this can't happen. And, it, and it, to me, it brings up a couple of different things. It reminds me when Florida a and was getting ready to try to make the move to 1A. Remember back in, was that 2003, 2004? Ironically, what's ironic, I think about this, is Willie Simmons is the head of the program now. Well, when Florida a and was going to make that move, Willie Simmons was going to make his move from Clemson to Florida A&M. As a matter of fact, it enrolled in Florida A&M, and then it all fell apart because of NCAA violations that, of course, I think um, not to absolve Florida A&M at that time from those violations because those violations, uh, nothing was, it was a lot of, of speculation against the football program at that time, uh, but nothing was found about the football program. It was a lot of the other sports that, had so many violations that it 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 as as quickly as Florida A&M made the move to one A it was right back in in at that time one double A or FCS so that that kind of comes to mind um as well another thing that comes to mind is wow um this isn't about the money okay no doubt about it the guarantee for Florida A&M in this game at USC is for you with UNC was $450,000. But could you really afford to lose $450,000 by not deciding to play? Boy, that would have been, that would, that would have hurt because you can, we we talk about low resource school. A lot of times you play these games to finance those budgets of the institutions. Maybe this $450,000 could help towards you know, and, a, and a, a compliance director, an assistant compliance director, academic people, whatever the case may be, you can use the money towards that. So I thought that would have been detrimental, certainly, if, um, if, if, uh, if Florida a Florida m didn't play that football game. One player I want to point to in particular that this is a detriment to, and it, and it, and it speaks to, um, again, not being his fault as a student athlete, but... To me, it, I, I fought the university and then also the NCAA for uh, for uh, uh, penalizing the student-athlete when it wasn't the student-athlete's fault. Isaiah Land, everybody knows Isaiah Land. Isaiah Land was the HBCU National Player of the Year uh, last year. He was the Buck Buchanan Award winner. This guy is on the radar uh, to be drafted. Now, he's a guy uh, that probably had his, and we talked with him in January when he won the, the Buck Buchanan Award. I mean, this is a guy that may have had an opportunity um, to leave and go to another school. He decided and he said, I, he stuck it out with Florida A&M. He believed in the program, right? So he believes in the program. He believes when advisors tell him that you need to take A, B, and C classes, he's going, he, he'll do that, and it ultimately was not the right thing for him. So what does he lose out on, okay? Now, we've seen in the past where HBCU players have made their names against bigger opponents. Darius Leonard, when he was at South Carolina State as a junior, had 18 tackles against Clemson. He was on the map. He goes on to be a second-round pick by the Colts, He's one of the best defensive players in the National Football League. Look at the Durant more recently, also out of South Carolina State. Two interceptions last year against Clemson. The Durant gets drafted. He's doing some big things right now in the National Football League. So, you you know, you as a player of that magnitude, this is where you, quote unquote, make your money. You have a good game against UNC because you're stepping up it's an FBS opponent. Not only that, it's a power five opponent. You play well. Uh, now your name, uh, w- which was already on everybody's list, takes another step up. So this young man now not only missed this football game, he could miss up to four football games. Not even talking about the game next week against Jackson State, which is another great measuring stick uh, for him because you're playing against, you know, you're playing against uh uh, uh, an opponent in Jackson state. And I, and I, you know, I, I, I will see, I'm going to do of course, a preview of that game. That's going to be the national game HBCU game of the week. We'll do a preview of that. I I, I, I think Florida A&M previous to having all of these different injuries, great shot in winning that football game. No doubt. And if you're Isaiah land, since the, the everybody thinks Jackson state is the greatest team, uh, right? You have a good football game against them. He may miss, he may, he may not, but I mean, it it looks like he could miss that football game as we stand on Monday. He could miss up to four football games. How much of that, how much of a detriment is to, is that to that young man who's looking to play on the next level? And he's just one player. You got some other players that probably will be certified uh, by the time uh, the game kicks off uh, on Saturday, but, I'm talking in specific about a guy that everybody knows who may not even be able to play in the football game. Of course, Willie Simmons and his staffs going to have to get creative, depending upon how many um, how many offensive linemen uh, are, he's able or they are able to get eligible. The NCAA, I think, has to really think about how it administers punishments. The NCAA essentially threw its hands up over um, uh, the uh, in in NIL. Essentially, threw its hands o- up over name, image, and likeness. I can't I can't really blame them. NIL is out of control. We can debate that. Um, the transfer portal out of control. NCAA threw its hands up over that. We're seeing how that is playing out. But the NCAA still is keeping its mandate and a lot of its mandates from an academic standpoint in terms of the academics that you need to be eligible on whatever level it is, whether it's division one, division two, division three, et cetera. Okay? it's keeping its hands on that. And I think that if a university tells a student athlete, tells a young man, tells a young woman that these are the classes that you need to take to be eligible for the fall semester. And those are in fact not the classes or whatever the case was that he actually needed. The NCAA should not be penalizing the student athletes this is it's no doubt that FAMU bears the brunt of this i'm not absolving florida and this is not a, this is not ncaa's fault okay that's not what i'm saying this is florida a&m's fault what i'm saying is you cannot admonish you cannot put the penalty on the student athlete when the student athlete uh, is being the one that is being told by an advisor to, in fact, uh, take certain courses. So, I, you know, I've, I, I know Willie Simmons had to be heated. Again, to me, this doesn't fall. I mean, the the football coach has some responsibility in terms of, I think, in a lot of ways, making sure kids are going to classes. I think the I think there's some responsibility there uh, with respect to a football coach, but compliance issues. Like, that's not, that's not a football coach's job. So, you know, the, the university, meaning Florida A&M, has to bear uh, the brunt of this responsibility. And I think the NCAA, if there's punishment to be handed down, it should be handed down to the university, but not to the student-athletes. You have in excess of 20 student-athletes that missed Their opening football game through really no fault of their own. And that's really sad and it's very unfortunate. And I think it's something that the NCAA really needs to look at and not uh, be and not really punish those student athletes. That said, right, I said all of that. Look at the football game. I mentioned the score uh, in the football game. 56 to 24, I thought it was a respectable, I thought Florida a and was respectable. Missing in excess of 20 players, you're missing your best player, one of the best players in college football in Isaiah Land. And, you know, I thought it was, re, I thought it definitely was respectable. Um, I thought Jeremy Shoup, the quarterback who came in, you knew if he was going to be the starter over McKay, which he was, must've been pretty solid. Look, he threw two touchdowns in this football game Threw for close to 300 yards. I mean, so that showed well. Um, I, th- I, again, you're going up against an FBS opponent. Yeah, I get it. It's a, it's, it's an ACC opponent, which the ACC turns to football is not great, but UNC, um, you know, is, is solid. No question about that. I thought Florida, a and played a respectable football game. Um, even in spite of all, of this, but now we got to see what's going to happen throughout the course of this week. How many players are going to be eligible to play in that game against Jackson State? And that's going to be a big time football game, and of course, I'm going to have my thoughts on the HBCU football game of the week on Friday. So that's the HBCU football daily podcast for today, Monday. We've got a couple of coaches interviews coming up for you on Tuesday and. Wednesday or tomorrow and Wednesday on Thursday, we'll start to transition. Take a look at some of the games uh, for week one of the HBCU football season, which we have some games on Thursday. And then on Friday, uh, of course we will have, we will preview the HBCU national game of the week. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU football daily podcast where you're watching us right here. You can find us on the box to row YouTube page, also, if you're listening, you can find us on our website at botchtorow.com, also on iHeartMedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk with you tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'll give my life tomorrow. I thought about today. But so much.